joy and thanksgiving go hand in hand. Hopefully you've witnessed it. But are you contributing to it? How do you demonstrate your thankfulness and joy? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers some biblical guidance to help you become more expressive in sharing your joy and gratitude to the Lord. To introduce the conclusion of his message, A Joyful Thanksgiving, here's David. You know, friends, I have been thinking about this message, and I realized that I do not believe I've ever met a grateful person who's perpetually sad. Gratitude and joy just go together. And when you know how blessed you are, it puts a smile on your face. Isn't that true? We'll have some more of that today from Psalm 100. have a bunch of things to tell you about because we're at the end of the month and uh, some things that we have been able to do, won't be able to do very much longer. First of all, our tour to the Caribbean uh, at the end of next month. We won't be talking about that anymore after these days that are left in November. The Caribbean Cruise Conference uh, leaves on December 30th, comes back on January the 8th. It's a wonderful tour with a bunch of God's people and a lot of Turning Point uh, staff members and musicians will be teaching the Word of God and having a great time together. So if you've been thinking about it, and maybe you now feel comfortable doing this, go to our website, look it up, find out when the cruise leaves, get your reservations, there's room for you, and join us as we say goodbye to 2021 and hello to 2022 together as the family of God. Then also, don't forget, we're in the middle of this Bible sale, and uh, it's very hectic around here, busy around here during these days. We just love this time of the year because we see the Bible going in so many different directions, and we know some people who are going to get the study Bible, it's going to be life-changing for them because they'll read it and understand it, and it'll change them. And uh, so many people love to give copies of the study Bible for Christmas, and we want to help you do that. That's why we have this incredible sale over this weekend. Go to davidjeremiah.org. There you will find all the information you need to... um, Make this Bible a reality and somebody you love or maybe just want to get one for yourself. This is a good time to do it. Uh, We have three different translations. You can read all about those. And there's some different colored covers. There's some hardback copies. You can do whatever you want, but you need to get the information. That's why you go to the website. That will help you determine what you're going to do. And we will give every energy that we have to get that Bible to you in time for Christmas. We're going to have to work a lot harder this year than in the past, but we're going to do it, and it's our our purpose to make sure you have that in time. Well, it's time for us to finish up this week with part two of a joyful Thanksgiving as we open our Bibles to Psalm 100. We should be thankful because God is God. We should be thankful because He's gracious. And then we should be thankful because God is good. He is not only gracious to us, he is good to us. His mercy never ends and his truth never fails. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5, be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. On another occasion in the book of Psalms, we read these words, The Lord will give grace and glory. Now listen carefully. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And James echoes the Old Testament psalmist when he writes, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. God is God. God is gracious. 
God is good. Have you ever had a moment when you just paused and let the fact that goodness of God roll over you and give thanks? I remember reading in a book by Ken Hutcherson called Hope is Contagious. He said, one day I was relaxing in my recliner after having spent five hours in the emergency room the night before. I looked around, I saw my family going about their lives as usual. Video games, chores, music, laughter. My wife, Pat, was fixing breakfast. Even our new little puppy was settling into a comfortable routine and enjoying everyone's efforts to spoil him. A visitor stopped by to chat. Some friends from church surprised me with a birthday cake. I had almost forgotten that it was my birthday. So there I sat, he wrote, surrounded by so much goodness even as I'm feeling lousy. My favorite cake is staring me in the face, but I have no appetite. My 11-year-old runs past me, and I don't have the strength or energy to grab him and wrestle him like I usually do. I'm trying to have a conversation with my guests, but between the short night with no sleep and all the powerful pain pills, I can hardly stay awake. And you know what I'm thinking? Can you imagine how close I am to being overwhelmed with all the goodness that is happening to me that moment? Have you ever had a moment like that? Sometimes in the midst of a very negative situation, you just stop and you think and things happen around you and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I am so blessed. God is so good. And have you ever given thanks to God for that? Jessica Shaver, who's written about this, said that we should also learn how to be grateful for the things God doesn't do. And she wrote a little article called Giving Thanks for Nothing. She said, I'm grateful for years now that I haven't lost my contact lenses in a bowl of hot noodles. <laughs> she said, I'm thankful that the phone call in the middle of the night was the wrong number and not someone calling to tell me about a death in the family. And I'm thankful my house didn't burn down when I left the iron on for five hours. And I'm thankful for all the times I've tripped over my son's book bag or couldn't find a place for margarine in the fridge because my daughter filled it with bottles of nail polish. Because these two things remind me that I have a family and that that family has made me very happy. Isn't it good just to stop and realize that God is in charge not only of what he gives us, but what he keeps from us? One of my favorite authors, and I've mentioned him before, is a, a young writer named Mark Batterson written some pretty interesting books. His most recent book is called Double Blessing. And in this book, he tells about having issued a gratitude challenge to his congregation. The challenge was to thank God for the things we typically take for granted. And he tells in his book about a woman who was a, a physician who took the challenge quite seriously and attempted to thank God for the many miracles that were happening in her body at any given moment. So this doctor, as she left church, started praising God. Thank you, God, for aerobic respiration. Thank you for mitochondria, which right now are creating ATP. Thank you for ATP. I have no idea what that is. By the time she got home, she was thanking God for each of her amino acids. Thank you, God, for glycine. Thank you for leucine. And she prayed while she took a walk outside, thanking him for bones and ligaments and tendons. She also thanked him that somehow she never took an anatomy course in college because otherwise she would have to thank God for every bone by name. <laughs> she listened to music. 
She thanked God for her ear. While she made dinner, she thanked him for xylem and the plants she was preparing. She spent a lot of time thanking him for the molecular properties of water. And by the time the sun set that day, and it got dark at 9 o'clock, she thought God got amused with the futility of her trying to thank him for everything. And the Spirit finally hushed her, saying, You can stop now. Needless to say, she won the gratitude challenge, hands down, in her church. God is God. He's gracious, and he's good. And the evidence is all around us. The evidence is inside of us. The Bible does say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is the one who did it. And we are the one who've been blessed by it. In eternity past, he chose us to be one of his children. And here we sit, children of Almighty God, and the product of his goodness and his graciousness. So let's pause every day to thank him, especially for the things we're prone to take for granted. Number two, experiencing the joy at Thanksgiving is the first half of Psalm 100, but expressing joy at Thanksgiving is the second half. And before we close our Bibles today, I want to ask one last question. How should we go about being thankful? And that brings me back to the story I told you at the beginning of my message about being humorless. How do we thank God? Joyfully. Have you ever heard anybody stand up and pray with thanksgiving and you couldn't put their words together with the tone of their voice? And you knew the words they were saying were words of thanksgiving to God, but their voice was so sad and somber, you wondered if their mind had really translated their emotions and how to convey this. If Jesus is the Lord of your life and God is in control, why do you have to be so sad all the time? So how can we express our gratitude in a different way? Well, let's just let the psalm teach us how to do that. Let's begin this way. Start with praise. If you go back to this psalm with me, you will see that God has given us a cue as to how we are to go about offering these praises to him. He says we are to begin the whole process with thanksgiving. Look at verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, while this is a general truth about thanksgiving, it is a very particular truth about how the process should begin. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. This is very consistent with the way the Lord teaches us to pray in the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Matthew, he says, when you pray, Pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Sometimes when I'm praising God and worshiping him, I get all finished and I feel sort of foolish about the things I was worried about because in the first part of my prayer, I am praising and worshiping God and I'm able to see him high and lifted up and powerful and realize that I have nothing to be concerned about. My God is a great God worthy of praise and adoration and worship. What joy we experience in our hearts when we bless his holy name. And that's something we can experience every day. When we start with praise, soon our whole demeanor will change. Let me tell you something, friends. If you rush into the presence of God with your grocery lists of issues you want him to help you with, 
you will most likely come out of your prayer the same way you went in. Because to ask all of those things for a God you have not worshipped who is not high and lifted up is just to leave you with a rehearsal of your needs and no real perspective of God being able to do anything about it. So when you are being thankful, the Bible says start with praise. Here's the second one, sing with joy. Verses 1 and 2 go like this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Come before his presence with singing. So let me tell you what the word shout means. I looked it up, and here's what it means. To shout means to split the ears with sound. Did you hear me? (laughs) To shout means to split the ears with sound. To shout for joy and blow trumpets. That's what the word means. How can you be filled with joy to God, all curled up in your quiet little self? Remember, just because something is important and serious doesn't mean you still can't be filled with joy. Did you know that almost every reference in the Bible to music is a reference to joyful music? Our happy God should be worshipped by happy people. And you know, I had a happy thought on the way to church this morning about volume. Here it is. The young people love it loud, and the old people can't tell whether it's loud or not. (laughs) Isn't that funny? So if you happen to be in between, just get over it. Nothing we can do about it. (laughs) Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Bruce Larson said this. He said, joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. Isn't that interesting? The bottom line for you and me is simply this. Grimness is not a Christian virtue. There are no sad saints. If God really is the center of your life, joy is inevitable. If you have no joy, you have missed the heart of the good news, and it will affect your body as much as your soul. God meant us to be men and women of joy. Shouting for joy. If you shout for joy, it's because something really is exciting that's happened in your life. One of my favorite remembrances of this happened when I was a pastor in Indiana many years ago. I became friends with another pastor who was the head of a church in the community, and it was a what they called a Bible Baptist Fellowship Church. They were a little bit more intense than we were, a little bit more legalistic in some ways, and really focused on the gospel It would be quite apparent if you went there, you would get a gospel message every Sunday. And they practiced something in that church that we don't practice here. It was called immediate baptism, which means if a person got saved at the end of the service, they would take him to the baptistry immediately and prepare him to be baptized. They didn't want him to backslide between when he came forward and when he got baptized. They left no room for any problems. You come forward, you accept Jesus, you're in the water. (laughs) So one day this young man who was homeless came to my friend's church and he sat in the front row. He didn't know any better. And the preacher got up and he preached the gospel with all of his heart, probably pretty fiery, much more so than I would. And when he got done, he gave the invitation. And this man who had come to church for the first time came forward and gave his life to Christ. And they dealt with him immediately, took him to the baptistry to be baptized. 
And according to my friend, this man was so joyful after his conversion and his baptism that he came up out of the water, threw both hands in the air, and shouted, hot dog, hot dog. (laughs) He hadn't learned amen yet. He hadn't learned praise the Lord yet. He hadn't learned hallelujah yet. But he did know hot dog. And he said, hot dog, hot dog. And my friend told me, and I wrote it down in my notes, that it was one of the most joyous days he ever had as a pastor. Here was a man who had come to Christ. He had no Christian culture. He didn't know Christianese. He didn't know any biblical words. He knew Jesus had saved him, and he was so full of joy, the only thing he could think of to say was, hot dog, hot dog. So start with praise. Sing with joy. One last one. Serve with gladness. Listen to the second verse of Psalm 100. Serve the Lord with gladness. I mean, here's the psalmist giving us a command to serve the Lord, but he's not only telling us to serve the Lord, he's telling us how to serve the Lord. He says we're to serve the Lord with gladness. You say, well, don't we always do that? No, we don't. Sometimes we serve the Lord out of duty, out of drudgery. You just got your name on the nursery list and you couldn't get it off. But you don't do it with joy. Listen to me. God wants us to serve him with joy. Here's a verse from the book of Deuteronomy. I know it's Old Testament, but this is so powerful. It translates across all time. I never realized this verse was in the Bible. I know I should have. I've read it, but I didn't see it. Here it is, Deuteronomy 28, 47, and 48. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart... For the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies. Whoa. God told the Jewish people, if you're not going to serve me with gladness in your heart because all that I have done for you, then you're going to end up serving your enemies. Take that. That's a jolting passage for me. It's not enough to serve the Lord. It's not enough to serve him faithfully and earnestly. We have to serve him with gladness. Commentator Matthew Henry said, Joy is the oil on the wheels of our obedience. (laughs) A joyful Savior is best served by joyful servants who are going about his business and finish the work he's given them with joy. We shout with joy, we sing with happiness, and we serve with gladness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote this years and years ago. But you might think he was watching the modern-day church. He said, some of you good people who do nothing except go to public meetings and Bible readings and prophetic conferences and other forms of spiritual dissipation would be a good deal better Christians if you would look after the poor, if you would tuck up your sleeves to work and go and tell the gospel to dying men, if you would find your spiritual health mightily restored. For much of the disease of Christians, he said, comes through their having nothing to do. All feeding on, no working, makes men spiritually depressed. So if you're idle, careless, with nothing to live for, nothing to care for, no sinner to pray for, no backslider to lead back to the cross, no trembler to encourage, no little child to tell of a Savior, no gray-headed man to enlighten in the things of God, no object, in fact, to live for, then there is no wonder if you begin to groan and to murmur and to look within until you are ready to die of despair. Let us have practical Christianity. Let us serve the Lord with gladness. Now that will preach. It preached then and it will preach today. What was the difference? 
The difference is our spirit. Listen to me, friends. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need David Jeremiah. He doesn't need me. I am blessed to serve him. I am honored to be able to share his message. It is a tremendous privilege. I'm filled with joy every time I get to do this. It's amazing to me that God has allowed this to happen in my life. And the same is with you. He doesn't need any of us, but he chooses to use us. And he gives us the privilege to put our gifts and talents to work in the kingdom's purpose. And when we see that happening, when we see something we know how to do, and it's moving the ball forward for the kingdom, it ought to just fill us with joy and excitement almost beyond our ability to describe it. Serve the Lord by singing and shouting and serving. Let me finish with this little statement from Nancy DeMoss, who grew up knowing how to be thankful. She said her parents taught her to write thank you notes for gifts, to say please and thank you. She says over the years, she sought to practice the attitude of gratitude. If asked, she would have scored herself above average in the gratitude department. Then Nancy undertook a careful study of all the biblical references to thankfulness. She spent months looking at what the Bible says about the grace of gratitude. And she spent time meditating on the implications of those verses. Her Bible study proved a vigorous personal journey after which she concluded these things. I've seen that if I am not ceaselessly vigilant about rejecting ingratitude and choosing gratitude, I all too easily get sucked into the undertow of life in a fallen world. I start focusing on what I don't have that I want, what I want that I don't have, and my life starts to feel hard and wearisome and overwhelming. But choosing gratitude rescues me. It rescues me from myself. It rescues me from my runaway emotions. It buoys me up on the goodness of God. And I have discovered that I cannot live without positive, purposeful gratitude to God. You say, well, how do you do that? The best way to do it is to get yourself a little spiral notebook. And every time God does something good for you, write it down. Every time something is a blessing in your life, write it down. You won't be very good at it at first, but pretty soon if you start to do it, you'll become aware of a lot of things that you weren't aware of that were happening and you just didn't notice. And when God makes you aware, if you're not where your notebook is, make a little note to yourself. And when you get back home and you have a chance to sit down, add a little, here's what God did for me today. I think God does that to help me understand this is a good way to go. And I want to encourage you as you approach Thanksgiving this year to realize If you're a Christian, as most of you are, you are among the most highly blessed people in the world. Highly blessed. Highly blessed people. God has made an investment in you. It's bearing fruit right now, and one day the harvest is coming, and you will be among those many sons brought to glory because of the sacrifice of the Lord. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful time we've had being thankful this weekend and all this week. And I hope it spills over into the next few days. And you're going to need it really badly uh, in these days that transpire between now and Christmas. This is going to be a unique Christmas season, as you well know. Uh, When the things you want aren't available, when they don't come, 
when you thought for sure you had it and didn't develop the way you thought it would be, can you still be thankful? I don't know, but you're about to find out. And I know what the Bible says. It says, give thanks. So let's do that. Over the weekend, uh, we'll be teaching the Word of God um, on television. I hope you'll join us for the television program this weekend. Most of all, I hope you'll go to church. You know, in our church, this this weekend is kind of like the end of everything before the Christmas celebrations start. After this weekend, we have special Christmas services every weekend during the whole month of December. We used to have a big program, but now we've discovered how much more effective it is just to make every Sunday in December Christmas Sunday. And um, I hope you have plans to do something like that, to celebrate the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't forget, be sure to get your Bible this weekend, and also consider going with us to the Caribbean. Our announcements for that are ending after the next two days. We'll see you on Monday. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is making a difference in your life, let us know. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, the written word journal, designed by David to help you know God's word more deeply. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we begin the series, Living in the Light, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com Bible. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Soren Kierkegaard was a Danish philosopher and theologian. I really like this observation he made about life. Life, he wrote, can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. 
Sometimes we don't understand God's plan in the moment, but hindsight always proves that He works everything for good. The Apostle Paul was a person who lived life looking forward. He wrote that he lived his life reaching for what was ahead, pressing toward the goal of knowing Jesus Christ. If you are uncertain about the past, give God time to show you its meaning and set your sights on knowing Him even better in the future. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's perspective on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.